Welcome to the History of the Bible. Here we will look to the Bible and explore the history of God's story. From the perspective that the Bible is absolute truth with events that actually happen with people that actually live. Never measuring what the Bible says and comparing it to man's theories, but always putting the theories under what the Bible says as truth. Come join us in the History of the Bible podcast. Episode 8, My Sons, Harry and Heel Catcher. Today we'll be covering chapters 24 through 27 in Genesis. After swearing to find a bride for Isaac, the servant takes with him ten camels and prepares for the journey back to where the household of Abraham's father lived. The journey would go from Hebron, which is where Sarah was buried, all the way to Haran. Now sometime along the line, Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his family moved from Ur, the land of the Chaldeans in the southernmost part of Mesopotamia, up to Haran, which is in the northern part of Mesopotamia. Some say that he may have moved up there when Nahor's father was getting older and dying, and also because Abraham was about to leave, which would leave the land open for herds and livestock. This journey from Hebron to Haran is about 400 miles, just one way. It is thought that the camel can travel up to 20 miles a day, making it about 20 days to travel one way from Hebron to Haran. Once the servant had arrived in the city of Haran, it was evening, and at this time the woman would go out to the well and get water for the night. Usually it was the young woman or the woman that had not gotten married yet that held the responsibility to bring water in for the family. The city well was a common area where everyone had easy access to it. Therefore, it would also become a place for social gatherings and where women could hang out with other women. When the servant arrived, he prayed to God of his master, asking for favor in his search for a wife for Isaac. Now the servant asked God to show him a sign that he would know that she was the one for Isaac. The sign that the servant asked God to show him was that when he asked for the woman to allow him to have a drink of water from their water that they were carrying, that she would offer to water all ten of his camels without him asking. Watering ten camels was quite the task. You see, if a camel was thirsty enough, they can drink up to 30 gallons of water in just 13 minutes. Now imagine ten of them. And in Genesis 24 verse 19, it says that she gave them water until they finished drinking. That could have been almost 300 gallons of water, weighing just about 2,500 pounds. This was not the same as just watering a dog. It was a project that would have taken more than just a moment's time. But this is what Rebecca did. Before the servant finished praying, he saw Rebecca coming out to the well so that she could fill her jar, which was usually made out of clay from the well. As she came up from the well, the servant ran to her and asked if he could have a drink of water, which she gladly gave him his fill of water. Once he finished drinking the water, she then offered to water all of his camels without being asked. While doing this, the servant just watched, wondering to himself that the Lord had just made his mission successful. Once she was done giving the camels their fill of water, the servant came up to her asking whose daughter she was and placed a gold nose ring on her and two golden bracelets. She then replied saying that she was the daughter of Bethuel, Melchi's son, whom she bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. This would make her the great niece of Abraham. With that, Rebekah ran off to her mother's household to tell her family of what just happened. Her brother Laban ran out to meet the servant after seeing the nose ring and the bracelets 
The nose ring weighed about half a shekel, and the bracelets weighed about 10 shekels. This would total about 4.2 ounces of gold. Today, those three items of jewelry would be the amount of just about 8,000 U.S. dollars, something that would definitely catch the eyes of her brother. Laban then invites the servant into the house, providing him a place to lodge, as well as a place for his camels. They then provide food and water for the servant and the men that were with him, and said to eat. But the servant would not eat until he spoke of why he was there. In Genesis 24, verse 34, the servant begins to tell the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac, how the Lord has blessed Abraham to be a very wealthy man, and the story of Sarah giving birth to Isaac as well as the promise that Abraham made him swear to get a wife for Isaac from his father's household. He then tells them of his prayer in helping him find a wife for Isaac, in which Rebekah did exactly what he asked God to do. After giving his story, the servant then asked if they would tell him if they would give Rebekah to him to take back as a wife for Isaac, and if not, to let him know so that he can move forward. In Genesis 24 verse 50, it says that both Leban and Bethuel answered the servant in saying that if it's from the Lord, they shouldn't stand in the way of Rebekah being the wife of Isaac. Although it's interesting, this is the first time that Bethuel is mentioned in the event. When Rebekah ran back to tell her family of what had just happened at the well, she goes back to her mother's household, not her father's. Although it wasn't weird for the eldest son to host a guest, as Leban did, it usually fell on the responsibility of the father of the household to be the host of the guest. This causes many to wonder if their father was around at all. And although in verse 50 it says that Leban and Bethuel gave the servant permission to take Rebekah back to Isaac, usually the father was the only one with a say in the matter. Some scholars have said that the reason that Rebekah ran back to her mother's household was because it was something that wouldn't be told to men. If that was the case though, then Leban shouldn't have heard about the whole situation. Some say that in those days the women of the house had their own separate building in which all the women would work together throughout the day, and that's why she went to her mother's household. But again, how did Leban hear about it then? The way that Leban acts is as if he was the head of the household. This may be because her father has passed away and that it's the responsibility of the eldest son to become the head of the household. And even when Leban went out to meet the servant, he acts as if he is in possession of the house. However, Bethuel does appear in verse 50 for just a moment to give Rebekah away, and then he disappears again. The interesting part is that when they give their blessings for the marriage, Leban's name is mentioned before the father's name. After receiving Rebekah, the servant then gives gifts to her and her mother and a brother, but not her father. He disappears again. And when it is finally time to send Rebecca on her way with the servant, only her brother and mother are there to send her off with the blessing, which blessings usually came from the head of the household. Many scholars believe that Rebecca's father had already died at this point, and that is why Levin and her mother are acting as co-head of the house, as well as why Rebecca ran to her mother's house and not her father's house. But that wouldn't explain the fact that Bethuel shows up in verse 50 and gives permission to Rebekah to be married to Isaac. Some actually say that Bethuel could have been Rebekah's mother and not her father. This would explain why Leban's name is mentioned first and why he would have any say in her getting married. 
However, this is just a thought because in Genesis 22 verse 22, it says that Bethuel is the father of Rebekah. Therefore, unless Rebekah's mother took on the name of her husband after his death, no one is too sure of why her father is as if he's missing and then shows up again to give her away and then disappears again. After these things, the next morning the servant along with Rebekah and her maid and his traveling group get up to make the 20-day journey back to Hebron. When Isaac and Rebekah got married, Isaac was 40 years old and his mother died when he was 37. It says in Genesis 24 verse 67 that Isaac was comforted after her dying when marrying Rebekah. The death of Sarah must have had quite the impact on him. Rebekah would be barren for the first 20 years of their marriage and wouldn't have any children until Isaac was 60 years old. Abraham at this time would be about 140 years old when they got married, and he would live until 175. When he died, Isaac and Rebekah would already have had Jacob and Esau, and they would be about 15 years old when Abraham died. At the death of Abraham, it says in Genesis 25 verse 9 that both Isaac, who would be about 75, and Ishmael, who would be about 89, buried their father in the cave of Machpelah, the same place that Sarah was buried. Seeing that Ishmael was at the burial of his father, it shows that Ishmael and Isaac were at least in connection with one another and there were no issues between the two. In Genesis 25 verse 8, it says that when he had died, he died in a good old age and he was full of years. In Hebrew, this phrase not only means that he lived a long life, but also a divinely blessed and rich and satisfying life. It also says that he was gathered to his people. Although this can mean that he was buried with his family, the Hebrew wording for this means that he was gathered to his family in the realm of the dead, passing from this life to the next. After the death of his father, it says that Isaac would live in Belahiroi, which means the well of him that lives and sees me. This is the same well that Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, would speak to the Lord after running away from Sarah. She's the one that named it because she encountered the Lord here. This well is thought to be somewhere between just southwest of the Dead Sea and the Negev Desert heading towards Shur and the Arabian Peninsula. Isaac would stay here until a famine came into the land, and as his father did before him, Isaac packed up his family and got ready to move. However, God made sure by telling him to not go down to Egypt, but to stay in the land which he would show Isaac. Therefore, Isaac went into Gerar, where the king of the Philistines lived. The king would be none other than Abimelech, the same king that Abraham interacted with so many years prior. This city was in the plains just south of Gaza, between the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. It's interesting that when he got to Gerar, just like Abraham before him, Isaac claims that Rebekah is his sister. He does so out of fear of being killed by the men of the city because Rebekah was beautiful to behold. The Greek translation says that she was ripe in appearance. This may have hinted to the fruit in the garden which was tempting. The same may be true with Rebekah. The men of the city began to ask about her, yet Isaac claims that she was just his sister out of fear for his life. However, after living there for a long time, it says in Genesis 26 verse 8 that Abimelech looked out of his window and saw Isaac playing with Rebekah. The same word for playing here is the same word that is used for when Ishmael was playing with Isaac and got him and his mom kicked out of camp. 
Whatever type of playing they were doing, it convinced Abimelech without a doubt that Isaac and Rebekah were married. And with that, Abimelech gave the order to the people of Gerar that if anyone touched Isaac and his wife, they would be put to death. Therefore, Isaac stayed there for a long time and planted and reaped, and God blessed him. So much so that the people of Gerar envied him and Abimelech told Isaac to go away because he was now stronger than Abimelech and his people. With that, he departed the city and moved into the valley of Gerar. However, the strife between Isaac and the people of Gerar was still not over. While living in the valley, Isaac tried to dig multiple wells that caused quarrels with the locals. His first two wells were fought over, so Isaac named them Isaac and Sitna, which means to quarrel and hostility. It wasn't until he had dug the third well that it wasn't an issue. He named this one Rehoboth, which means open space, because God had made room for him in the land. Now digging a well was no easy task either. In those days, a well was hand dug. Digging a hole about six feet in diameter, or about two meters, enough space was needed for one to two men to have room to work. All around the sides of the well, they would place bricks or stones as the walls. And as the men dug deeper into the earth, the wall would sink down with them. Thus, stones or bricks were needed to be added to the top as the wall sank farther down into the earth. Once water began to flow into the well, they would bucket out so that they could continue digging. They would only stop if the water was coming in faster than they could bucket it out. It is thought that the wells that were dug here were about 40 to 45 feet deep, and these were all dug out with hand tools, such as shovels and picks. The well would then have a large trough next to it that water could be poured into for watering the animals. During this time, the king of Greer had seen that the Lord was with Isaac, just like he was with his father Abraham and asked that he would make an oath with one another to do no harm to each other's descendants. It was in these lands that Isaac and Rebekah had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Again, when Isaac and Rebekah got married, she was barren for 20 years. It wasn't until Isaac prayed to the Lord that she finally got pregnant. However, her pregnancy didn't go too well. The two kids moved around so much that it began to concern her. The Greek word for the way they are moving is jumping around where the Hebrew word that is used means crush or push around. Therefore, Rebekah inquired of the Lord to see what was happening to her. In Genesis 25 verse 23, the Lord tells her that there are two nations within her, two different people. One will be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. This prophecy of the older serving the younger would come true many years later when the Israelites came back to claim the promised land. When the twins were born, Esau was the firstborn. His name means Harry. Esau would become a hunter and a man of the field. When Jacob came out, he was holding on to the heel of Esau. The name of Jacob means either holder of the heel or heel catcher or supplanter. It's thought that Jacob would come to mean supplanter later on. Supplanter means that he deceives or tricks someone for personal gain. The way that it describes Jacob in some translations say that he was a quiet man, a plain man, a mild man, or a civilized man that dwelt in the tents. However, the word that is used to describe Jacob is the exact same word that is used to describe Job as a perfect man in Job 1 verse 8. Therefore, it could actually be translated that Jacob was a perfect man or a complete man that lived in tents. Isaac would love Esau because of the game that he would bring back and he would eat it. 
but Rebecca loved Jacob. As the two grew up, they would be at ends with each other throughout their lives. One of these events came up when Esau came in from the field hunting for game, but was not able to bring anything home. Therefore, when he came back, he was hungry, and apparently extremely hungry because he thought he was about to die from starvation. Asking Jacob for some of his red stew, Jacob said he would give it to him if he gave him his birthright. A quick side note here, Esau would become known as Edom, which means red. All of his descendants would hold this name being known as the Edomites. Claiming that he was about to die, Esau then says what's the point of a birthright if he's dead? Therefore he swore to Jacob his birthright and received a piece of bread and a bowl of lentil stew. Now the birthright wasn't this piece of paper that Esau signed over to Jacob. It was a right given only to the eldest son. It was almost like being the man of the house. If the father died or was away on a journey, the one that had the birthright of being the eldest son would step into the place of being the head of the household in the father's absence. This meant that all authority and responsibility fell to the eldest son. It also meant that when the father died and it was time to pass the inheritance to the sons, the eldest son would receive twice as much as the rest of the sons. An example of this can be seen when a king would have a son, the birthright of the eldest son was to inherit his father's kingdom. This was the same for families and their eldest sons. The family and what it had to offer would be passed on to the son with the birthright. This also meant the blessings from the father that he would pass on as well. Therefore, for Esau to sell his birthright, he was giving up the leadership of the family over to Jacob with its inheritance. After this event, nothing of the two are mentioned until Esau is 40 years old when he takes for himself two wives from the daughters of the Hittites. These two women made life bitter and miserable and brought much grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Now when their father got older, his eyes became dim, meaning that he became blind. Therefore, before his death, he asked Esau to go into the field and hunt and bring something back to put into a savory dish, just the way he likes it almost asking Esau to make him a last meal for Isaac before he gave his son the blessing and died. However, Rebekah was listening and created a plan to have Jacob steal Esau's blessing. She came up with the idea to have Jacob pretend that he was Esau. With that, she told Jacob to go out into the flock and bring back two young goats so that she could prepare Isaac's savory dish that he likes. But Jacob wasn't buying the idea. You see, Jacob was smooth-skinned and Esau, well, he was still hairy like the day he was born. He didn't want to receive a curse instead of a blessing, but his mother convinced him by saying may the curse be on her. She then prepared the meal for Isaac and had Jacob put on a pair of clothes that belonged to Esau, as well as put on the skin from the young goats on the smooth parts of Jacob's neck and hands. With that, she gave him the meal and sent him in to give it to his father Isaac. When Jacob brought the meal to Isaac, Isaac wasn't convinced that Jacob was Esau, at least not yet. Questioning how come he was able to get the meal ready so fast, Jacob says that the Lord brought the game to him. Still not buying it, Isaac asks him to come closer so that he can feel Jacob. Feeling the skin from the young goats, he comments that the hands are Esau's, but the voice was Jacob's. Therefore, Isaac ate the meal and Jacob brought him wine so that he could drink as well. After the meal, Isaac still was not convinced that it was Esau. He asked Jacob to come closer so that he may kiss him, 
and as he kissed Jacob, he smelled the clothes and was finally convinced that it was Esau. And so Isaac goes on to bless Jacob, thinking that it was his eldest son. When blessing Jacob, Isaac said that may the earth bring its fullness to him through grain and wine. Also, he gave him the blessing of being served and being bowed down to by other nations and master over his brothers. And anyone that cursed him would be cursed, and those that blessed him would be blessed. With that, Jacob left Isaac, and as soon as he left, Esau walked in with his meal that he had prepared. Being extremely confused, Isaac asked who he was, and Esau told Isaac that it was his eldest son. With trembling, he tells Esau that he had already given the blessing away. Esau then cries out with a great bitter cry, pleading his father to bless him with something, anything. So Isaac blesses Esau with living off the fatness of the earth, and by the sword he shall live. And although Esau would serve his brother, he would eventually break the yoke of serving Jacob. And although Esau himself will never serve Jacob, throughout history it can be seen that the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, would become slaves and serve the Israelites, but eventually would rebel against their rule and gain their freedom. There will be more about this in a later episode. Blessings passed on from the father to the son were a very important thing. A blessing would not only have the words of encouragement, but also details about their inheritance, as well as prophetic words about them and their descendants' futures. Therefore, Esau hated Jacob. Not only did he have his birthright now, but also the blessing of the firstborn. Both that were meant for Esau were now Jacob's. So he planned to kill Jacob after the death of their father. Again, Rebekah overheard the thoughts of her oldest son and told Jacob to go back to her brother's household in Haran, 400 miles away, promising to send for him once Esau's anger had calmed down. So Rebekah went to Isaac and complained about the wives of Esau so that Jacob would be sent back to her brother's household to get himself a wife. So join us next time as we take a look at Jacob and his journey to his uncle's house to get himself a wife but got a lot more than he bargained for in episode 9, My Uncle the Trickster. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. Go ahead and rate and review it, and for ways to give feedback or to let us know how this podcast has impacted you, check out the links in the show notes. Also, be sure to tell friends and family that you think would enjoy the show. Thanks. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.